Hey, 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 welcome to Schoolhouse Talk. This is James Miles, the fresh professor in the house. And this is Chris Dykos. We hope you pull up a seat, grab something to drink, get something to eat, get ready to dig in, dive deep in some dope conversations where we talk about education and beyond. Here we go. Hey, welcome back. Uh, we're dig- digging into part two of our in- interview with Dr. Clayton R. Cook. He's going to tell us more about behavior and what needs to change and how we can change uh, to make a more equitable world. And you may have listened to the last episode where um, we had this great conversation. Again, we're same topic. We're talking about behavior and, and how it influences um, school systems, how it influences our communities. And, you know, the responsibility of the individual to start assessing their own behavior, thinking about how you might change that behavior so that you can actually help systems change as well. Ooh, you stated that so perfectly, man. I did? That was good. You should do this for a living. Somebody, I need to get paid for this. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enjoy the second episode of Schoolhouse. Talk. <laughs> so my question, I have to ask it: Is it possible? <laughs> you know, I, I, I we have As kids. A, all three of us yeah. have have children. Is it possible that in our child's lifetime, there will be? I won't say no systemic racism, but less systemic racism. What I mean, I we all have an opinion on this one. I think. Yeah. In one crude way, you know, it's like it takes generations to die off on some level. So it's slower than one. But we have so much activism going with behavior change. And I'm, I'm going back to policy with certain policies, if we can get them enacted, they create the realities that create, you know, governance of over how these are the behaviors that must be enacted. So I, I hold out on from the optimistic standpoint that we can see really meaningful change, but it is people stepping up who already value this work to be champions uh, uh, of the work, not only in their local systems, but on broader policy basis. When I think about policy, I think about the guardrails, basically. It's kind of like it's setting up the, the, the topography in which you are engaging in. And those bumps that you're going to get into are going to help adjust that behavior change if the policy is done from an equitable behavior changing perspective. That's what we need. Yeah. We we how what's what's the first step that people can take, individuals can take right. inside their own homes, communities, churches, religious affiliations, schools, schools. School oh, yeah. school school stock. <laughs> yeah, no, I think stock. it's developing coalitions like as singletons in our obviously in our own home environments, we can start to model the behaviors we wish to promote our kids because we recognize their generation is going to be the one to really figure this out because our generation is freaking screwing it up like around climate change. Like if you look at our we're screwing it up. We're I'm already looking to like you guys have to be the ones, but hopefully like, because I don't, we, our group's not figuring it out. 
So I think in individual homes, but from an adult level, when you're working within organizations with other people or like-minded, it's coalitions. Really, the the group speaks louder and has more influence. And you see these pockets, and I've seen them in school districts where there's just anti-racism groups coming up, holding the school systems accountable. And oh, soups and stuff are getting uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But these groups are causing and bringing attention to like, we want to see action. Where is it? Mm-hmm. And they're not relenting too. And it's creating, you know, change opportunities. And I think it's going to create opportunities where people are going to lose their jobs if they don't can't come up with a plan and show the visible evidence. They're going to be rowed out of those systems yeah, because it, you know, they just can't survive <laughs> with the pressure of those groups. So I, I fundamentally believe in coalitions who are strategic in, you know, messaging and like, holding systems accountable for proof of action they're taking right. to make certain things that are harming and hurting certain subgroups of people, make them go away. And I, and I, I'm just trying to think like from a psychological, like social psychological perspective that when we're seeing that resistance, it's, it's, it's essentially like an extinction burst that we're observing. <laughs> um, and it's like a collective extinction burst within a community. Um, and, and the extinction burst, could you, could you speak, could you articulate a little better than I can play on what, we, what I mean by extinction burst or the use? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, let's take means. a baby, you know, a baby right. who wants its binky and you prevent the baby and you want to wean the baby off the binky. What's the baby going to do when it wants its binky and you're not letting right. it's going to make some fuss and it's going to increase the fuss until it realizes I ain't going to get my binky anymore. And then the baby will calm down. And so we see these kind of crescendos when you prevent people from getting what they want. Right. Oh, you'll get a rise in the behavior, but then it'll go away. It'll it'll subside, but you got to ride that at first. I like that you used a binky as an analogy for systemic racism. (laughs) (laughs) So so to that point, (laughs) Well, this is mine. Well, <laughs> well, well, that, Not intentionally, but it, it kind of is it, a good it's, metaphor. It's, it's it's really a, it is a good metaphor. <laughs> it's really good. This is yeah. mine. <laughs> this is this is my racism, not yours. My racism. I want it. I want it now. <laughs> so to to that point, well, uh, these these people claiming that they want their freedom back, and for business to open up, thinking of Texas, thinking of Mississippi, thinking of Florida. Well, they hit a point and say, you know what, this is unsafe. Maybe we should listen to science, put a mask on, when you're shut down a business for a couple of weeks. When you just mentioned those, when you mentioned those two places, I thought, is he talking about systemic racism or environmental? Because Clay brought up like the environmental <laughs> crisis, which Texas, Florida, <laughs> yeah, the the Delta, Mississippi, right, Louisiana, right. yes, which is true. You referring to here. <laughs> yeah i was talking about school systems right okay. which is actually are affected by both global warming and, and systemic right. racism so answer that question yeah, figure that out clay <laughs> <laughs> come on what's the answer <laughs> answer now i want to know you know i'm a firm believer in uh, it, uh, uh old researcher gordon alport has a contact hypothesis people exist in their bubbles as long as you exist in your bubble, your exposure to information and what you believe is true gets defined by that bubble you exist within. And we have so many people. I, I grew up in a small rural community. 
and I go back home and it's, you know, people still there existing in the bubble and they have this belief systems that just get allowed to fester. And it's through close contact that they stand a chance to get information that can alter their belief systems. And so it's like, I see a lot of people disengage who have uh, had a chance to get outside of their bubbles, learn more information, understand principles of equity, see systemic racism manifest all over the place through their experiences. But then they shut down and they, they separate themselves from loved ones who they, they're the only chance those loved ones can right, change. Right. And so we got to stay engaged despite those people. Like we, they, they, they annoy us and stuff, but if you, you don't stay in contact with them, they won't have a chance to change. And that will just continue to persist in terms of their belief patterns that drive those behaviors. And I see all kinds of really well-intended people who have their values are in the wrong place, but they're disengaging from the people they need to stay connected and in contact with. So the three of us here are transplants. Very true. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking exactly. of my hometown where that contact would be really good for a lot of people I know. Yes. It's hard though. Right. I mean, maintaining that contact, but that's the and only I, way people change and is just, when they come in contact. Right. But I'm just thinking about like shit. in my community that I grew up in, so many people left. Um, and I went back and even visited at one point, was kind of shocked at like just how, wow, how many people aren't here. Right. Right. And then Clay, you pointed out this, like, and I'm just thinking like, wow, man, it's so, it's almost like a um, resource deficit for those communities. It is when the, when the chance they have for change is, it's evaporated out of the context that's why, I mean, it's the great sort. We're sorting and people with all the misinformation and stuff and we exist in our bubbles, that's, and as well, long as you're in that bubble, that's the information you're taking in. And Well, and some of these individuals that I'm referring to are QAnon type folk, um, hardcore MAGA folk. Um, yes. That, that are, you know, my childhood friends and they've gone down the rabbit hole and um, the contact I have, whenever I do have contact with him, I'm just this, you know, crazy woke individual who is just read, drink, drinking the Soros Kool-Aid. And beliefs form and beliefs change as a result of experience. And most beliefs are likely to change through social experiences, through others, from trusted, respected others. Right. And so that's why there, we know... How did your beliefs through your experience formulate? How can we change beliefs through experiences? But we have to carefully craft experiences for people that don't trigger and shut, cause people to become defensive and shut down to a change process mm -hmm. or else we can't, they won't change. And that's where it's really skillful communications because the extent you trigger someone and they become emotionally reactive, they shut down to any form of change process, arguing, debating, causing someone to feel like they're inferior are all ineffective strategies, even though we could say that is the dumbest belief system to possess because of all this information, what the heck's wrong with you? But that's, I mean, as so soon as someone feels that way, they're done, they're shut down to a change process right. and status quo is going to just maintain for that person. Right. Yeah. You, you mentioned trust when there's nothing or no one you can trust outside of the people already 
speaking the same language. Now, I, don't, I don't mean this literally, but also literally speaking the same language as you, you're going to continue on that same path with your belief systems and your behavior won't change. I mean, the New York Times and, and Washington Post often post articles about you can't change a QAnon supporter's uh, behavior or ideas. But from what you're saying, with a trusted source, exposure, it is possible. Uh, how do we provide that trusted source and exposure in a virtual world? I mean, honestly, it's probably easier now that we live in this world of staying at home in our computers every day. Um, but still, the nation's becoming further divided from my from my instincts and from my perspective. So what what is the solution to that? Is there a solution? Yeah, usually it's, you know, in classroom, it's called the jigsaw method. But there's titled right. jigsaw methods where you actually have to start with a common ground shared interest. And they are out there. Sometimes yeah. they take a little digging to right. figure out where they are. Right. But if you find a common ground, common goal, right. and then you get people codependent working together to solve something, you start to see the humanity in the other person. And you start to, your beliefs get challenged because I'm working with... Um, a transgender person over in my beliefs before that were like really toxic and horrible to anybody who fits in that category. I've completely oh, right. them and I've completely looked down upon them, but now I've had a chance to see them in a different way. Oh, the thing, anything I thought about them is, has been challenged based on this shared experiences over us working towards a common goal. And that jigsaw method, is like the strategies where people can start to come together. It's been shown to reduce prejudice, racism mm -hmm. as a result of that. It's just, we have to, those, remember going back to behavior change, we have to create opportunities for it to happen. Right now, we don't have the opportunities. How can we skillfully create those opportunities from a societal standpoint, from a community, local community, or a county or a state standpoint, where we're trying to get people to come together? and allow people to shift beliefs. So we're having more shared belief systems and empathy around one another and to take care of our you know, future generations. Because if we don't solve some of these problems, whew, yeah. that's why like systemic racism is a, a climate change issue. And if we can't solve that first, right. we're never gonna be able to get on page enough to solve some of the climate issues. Right. And the climate issues are the thing that's gonna wipe us all out. It doesn't oh, yeah. matter. As a species, yeah, 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 this is done. For sure, it, like, whatever's <laughs> happening here, it don't matter. It it doesn't care about what's happening. Right, it's right. a wrap. Yeah, Earth will be. Do you here. think that, like that, the climate climate change is a great example, because remember when it, it, we first discovered that the Earth was being warmed, it was called global warming, and then the conservative movement said, "Oh, it's climate change," right. which is a softer, right? A, a softball. Right. You're lobbing it instead of a fast pitch. Less threatening. But still, you're going to hit my ball. Right. It's going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Yeah. It's, just a, it's just a weather changing. It's just, you know. You know, cyclical patterns. Cyclical. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's We're all good. Yeah. We're good. We, yeah. we can't yeah. deplete the earth of precious resources, and that won't have any form of ramification for food, water, heat. <laughs> not, not, it can't. Right. That's, that's, I mean, this, that's just that's a good frame <laughs> uh, of talking about modifying behavior and how well, I've seen it happen to my own parents. Yeah. You know, I've been their source because they live still on a small little farm where I, 
and I am their conduit to information, they both vote liberal. They both, and that would not, and I mean, homophobic household. I looked at, and this is embarrassing to say, I looked at a senior essay I had in high school, and this is the context I grew up in. And it was like, what are the things you want, you you think are the best and what are the worst? And the thing, the essay I wrote was the worst thing uh, that the worst thing on the planet are gays. Wow. That was that was my senior high school version of myself. And I couldn't be farther from that right. belief system, but it right. took me getting outside. So that's the household I grew right. up in. And now my parents' beliefs have completely shifted around sexual orientation and identity and stuff. And I'm their right. conduit though. Yeah. To the outside. And when, 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 when James and I worked together, um, and by the way, you're listening to Schoolhouse Talk. In case you didn't know, this is James Miles and Chris Dykos. We're doing real talk with Clay Cook. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the things that um, we, 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 we state all the time is that we have to give ourselves grace. We have yes. to give ourselves grace to understand that we are right. all on a journey. And I it's through experiences that we grow and now the change thing is called cognitive dissonance because it produces internal tension when you start to realize, yeah. oh, crud, my belief is right. wrong. Right. Oh, uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's internal tension, but that's where change gets motivated. Right. And we want to provoke cognitive dissonance to motivate changes in beliefs and behavior. And I've lived life being in my bubble through so many ways where I'm like, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say you know, the things I would say and do, I mean, because of how rotten and toxic and horrible it was and right. white supremacist it was. And it's, it stands out to me that your teacher accepted that paper. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like that was an acceptable thesis. Never got, ch- yeah, exactly. Never got challenged. Uh-uh. I prob- Never got probably challenged. was like, uh-huh, this is good topic. This is right. probably a great topic. <laughs> So, I mean, that's not that long ago, right? Like this was in in the nineties. Yep. You you were in, in school. That's shocking to hear that that you know. Uh, I I'm still my childhood stuttering is coming back listening to this story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, re- I'm regressing listening to your story. I'm regressing <laughs> listening to you speak. This is amazing. No, but I I, I think that's such a this is such a, a poignant topic to see how people have can change through exposure over time uh, and how sometimes it's good. The hard part, you know, Chris and I always talk about having grace is that there's not a lot of room for grace. People want to cancel you, quote unquote, cancel you or cancel a movement for one indiscretion where grace could have actually furthered and and positioned the entire movement together. You know, I I think of, of feminism and what are called TERFs, trans-exclusionary radical feminists, right? So uh, women that were were considered born genetically women, not associating with trans women, right? Uh, Because they are not, they don't consider them feminists. They're just men in dresses. Even though they're fighting for the rights of all people, there's that cognitive dissonance that you're talking about that doesn't allow their behavior to change to accept people like them. Mm -hmm. So- yeah. Um, that cognitive dissonance is that is um, I was thinking about a question I had for you earlier, Clay, about that that um, discomfort that 
process and change behavior. That's the cognitive dissonance, right? Like that's, that's, that's that it. discomfort. Like you're realizing that all these neural, all these structures you had weren't leading down the right path. Right. And in that process, that is where that discomfort is. And often we all run away from that. So is there like any insight on your end about when one pushes up against that cognitive dissonance besides having a mantra of give yourself grace, what else could they do? Yeah. You know, it's so the cognitive dissonance piece is someone starts to realize there's a discrepancy. This belief I have is discrepant from now a belief I'm starting to realize is a better belief or that mm-hmm. the information's better, or there's a discrepancy between my belief and my behavior. Now, people do one of two things with it. They either explain away the discrepancy to justify their current situation, mm-hmm. or they use that discomfort to actually change. And so a lot of people, to rather than justify, you have to point out ways in which they can change and why there has to be kind of scaffolds there versus saying this is just an independent journey uh, through that. What do you mean by scaffolds there? Scaffolds are like emotion regulation. The grace part is being able to regulate the experience and to say, look at this, almost change the frame around it. Like this, there's something good here. This isn't something bad. I don't need to like uh, think I'm a horrible person. There's actually something here that I can change that enables me to, you know, function more consistently with my values or behave consistent more with in align with now established fact that I'm starting to realize is truth or whatever, uh, whatever the topic is. Well, one thing that I think about is that one, we often want just like immediate answers and we want closure and, and that transition process, you may hit that cognitive dissonance. You may not have a lot of answers. You're may not, you're probably not going to have closure in that moment. Right. And so sitting with it that's hard yeah we want it fixed we want it done we want it be over right Right. sitting with that discomfort sitting with that process that's where the work is and 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 uh hard work is hard work and that is it that's it right there hard work is hard work i like that yeah, it's like a Yogi Bear quote. <laughs> it's a uh, it, uh, maybe, uh, but uh, Vincent Perez is on our team. He's always yes. you know Vince Clay. I think you've oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always throwing that one out there. Hard I love play. that one. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a few. He's got a lot of gems like that. Yeah, yeah. Is there someone that you could point to that has been able to shift their behavior uh, through cognitive dissonance? that is part of the cultural milieu that we all know that is a leader. I'm just adding more to it. Yeah. I feel like, um, just locally here in Minnesota, yeah, there's a pretty influential Republican who has a lot of sway in the Congress and what it took was people close to them. It was related to COVID. Yep. As an example, it actually, they had to have an experience where, you know, this actually impacted them and their close family in real life and then became a staunch advocate for some of the safety procedures and 
the policies around closing it down in order to be able to make things go away. There's obvious cognitive dissonance like, whoa, I have a direct experience that was challenging my belief system that this is a freaking hoax. Right. It ain't a hoax, people. He's out all over the place. Right. Right. There's numerous examples of like that where some people get these aha moments where like I, you know, in schools, I've seen teachers shift their beliefs from punishment to actually one in which I, really what I want is a, a learning process to help a kid be more successful. And so they get off this thing like this kid has to pay for the wrong in their ways when they've done something. And you've seen people go through cognitive dissonance where they realize we can't punish our way out of this stuff in order to meet kids' needs. Right. And that you see the aha, but they had to be there struggling because they, they were almost addicted to punishment at the outset. And they've kind of let their grips off of the punishment idea and now realize we got to go another approach and we got to build, you know, through relationships and restorative practices and make sure that if a kid's struggling, we got to have a teaching perspective to enable them to acquire the skills to be successful in the environment. You, you, you mentioned Minnesota. I got to ask this, right? Derek Chauvin's trial is, is happening, right? You know, the, the officer that, that murdered George Floyd. What do you think? I know the city or the state is bracing for some kind of uh, resistance because the outcome generally, we all know, will be he will be off, right? Uh, I should say found not guilty. What can happen to shift the cultural frame and behaviors in, in this is not just Minnesota, but in the, in, in the world we talk about police violence and, and police oppression. Um, I don't know if you have any, any insight or thoughts around that. Yeah, I think it's a radical overhaul yeah. over who goes into the profession mm -hmm. in terms mm -hmm. of core beliefs, what's the role of their job. Yeah. And it's all through relationship building and at the core, people who are bought in. So it's like kind of schools. You know, you want to hire people who already have the belief systems intact versus have someone who might have skills, but they don't have the necessarily belief systems right. intact. Right. The overhaul, we need to figure out who's gravitating and who do we actually need to uh, serve in these super critical roles um, in, in, in our societies. Um, so I think that's just one is like, in, other than that, there's a massive, it's really belief training. Uh, around what are the mindsets we have to have as law enforcement and what's our role and our role is to build communities up and establish understanding and yeah yeah i mean there's a new policy that that biden put forth that eliminates chokeholds right uh, right that's that's actually through the house, I believe. Through the house, yeah. And, uh, through, through the house, right? It, it's named after George. The bill's named after George Floyd. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and unfortunately, if you don't shift beliefs, people aren't going to do chokeholds, but they're going to find another way to harm people pretty severely. Right. right. Um, you know, you see that in seclusion and restraint procedures in schools, yeah. where you can't do these things because kids have oh, yeah. died right. under those procedures. Right. But then people are just holding kids down in other really rough ways. You know. That's why I mean to really get that in enduring behavior change. It boils down to beliefs and mindsets around what is my role, right. and ultimately what am I trying to accomplish in with what I'm doing here. And it isn't <laughs> to take these 
criminals and you know battle them away it's to engage with the community in ways where we're partnering together to keep work our way out of a lot of these it really boils down to creating the you know policy realities and leaders who are in charge of the systems aligning their support of their people to enact the practices that we know create healthy conditions for people that promote the types of behavior we want to see. And that's why that's where we that's where science comes in because we have all kinds of answers like with defensible evidence. We just don't see that science translating into everyday practice. So kids, uh, people in general are able to access those higher quality experiences and supports. Right. Hey, James. Hey, what are people? Chris. Listening? What are they listening to? Oh, this is Schoolhouse Talk. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, don't forget Schoolhouse <laughs> Talk, live and direct with yeah. Chris Dykos and James Miles, and our lovely guest today, Clay Cook. Yeah, uh, seems to Clay Cook has been run. dropping some knowledge. He's been dropping it's, some gems. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah. I uh, well, any any final sage like departure here? You got any other jewels of wisdom for us, James or Clay? Because I don't. I have nothing. <laughs> My behavior has stayed the same. I still have nothing. <laughs> no, we, we've had something here. We've covered a lot of terrain. Yeah. You know, I, I do want to just say again, I think that the quality of our living conditions for people and our planet depend on behavior change. And so people who really start to see it um, can then start to think about what roles we play in cultivating the types of behaviors that enable the, the actions to take care of our planet, to dismantle systemic racism, and ultimately create equitable school environments that work for everybody, not just the, the dominant group for whom it's been working for, for you know hundreds of years. Well, Clay, thank you so much for taking the time. Virtual uh, hand clapping. And if our if our if our listeners would like to listen to Clay again, um, Clay has agreed to be a keynote at our conference. Um, I believe you're on July first. Um, it's a four day conference, July twenty eighth. I mean June twenty eighth to July first. James will be there as well. Um, Indeed. And so if you want to hear more, uh, please uh, tune in then. You know, come join our online conference. And um, I've listened to Clay give several keynotes before, and they're always incredible. I learn something new every single time. Once again, in this conversation, I learned something new. So thank you so much, Clay. Thank you, Clay. This was great. Yeah. Yeah. Invite me back. <laughs> we'll do. We'll talk about that, but yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Yo. Man, what a discussion. That was fantastic. Yeah. I'm so excited we, you were able to find Dr. Cook and bring him on to talk with us. That was that was that was lovely. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad. I, again, um, really, somebody I'm glad I've had in my life. Uh, you know, just to learn from him. Somebody I'm glad right. I crossed paths yeah. with in my life and for sure kept that connection. Um, so, uh, man, man, if if like at the core of it, right? Like he Clay's talking about in the environmental crisis, institutionalized racism, um, and again, just, yeah. Any, any kind of change that's going to happen, we might as well start with the school building. Right. Where, right. Else, where else do we all meet? Where else do we all go to, like, what, what is a common experience that we all have? And most of us yeah. have at least attended the 
convince some like, school setting. School yeah. setting, right? We all we all have. It's the law. We have to go to school at least until eighth grade, I think, in most states. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, if you know if you're gonna if if you're doing an intervention, you know where do you capture the most population? School. Capture them at school. Right. Yeah. And so, thank yeah. So to to change systems, you got to change the school system, starting with the teacher's mindset, the principal's mindset, which superintendent's mindset, and your own mindset. And if 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 you if we're not if you're not addressing your own beliefs, if you're not even just assessing them, right? Like yeah, if we're not checking in to see if um, our common practice. practices right now are we truly serving all mm-hmm. um if we're not willing to do that at the school system then i don't know how we're going to address institutionalized racism global warming the, glo- the, racism. the climate crisis that we are in <laughs> yeah. right the environmental crisis that we are in call it what it is it's a crisis it's not yes. it's not just climate it's not climate change you know it's no, it's not just it's the, change a of the weather tomorrow or you know it's a little warmer no this is right. a crisis yeah and um yeah if we don't if so at, at the core of all these things of all these issues it's changing our behaviors boom it's not yeah so yeah well, so uh listeners i hope you have a new behavior and that's listening to schoolhouse talk with james and Chris. See you next time. Boom.